Wilbur, I think his name is, he says that he burns the flight records. <laughs> so you can never go back there. So that's curious. Welcome to Talking Simulator, a series of short conversations about video games with interesting people who play them. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. As I record and release this, it is April 2020, and the world is experiencing a pandemic. I don't know if I've personally had COVID-19, because we don't yet have access to the necessary tests, but I have been unwell, though fortunately just with some fatigue and a few weeks of coughing. If I sound at all hoarse in this episode, that's probably why. I am privileged to be in a situation where I've been able to self-isolate, and although much of my work has been cancelled, to find other things to do. One of those things is gentle preparation for series two of this podcast, while giving the people I want to interview the time and space they need to settle into this strange new normal. In the meantime, a video game has been released that has had record sales, has dominated my life and the lives of basically everyone I know, and has kept me more in touch with some of my friends than I probably would have been even if we were still allowed to hang out in physical space. Animal Crossing New Horizons, as many have said before me, has arrived at an undeniably opportune moment for millions of isolated and anxious people worldwide. But even beyond that, there is so much to discuss about this game that I have recorded five conversations with five of my friends and am releasing them daily over the course of a week. Each begins with a little island tour and then moves into a deeper discussion. In this episode, as I try to come to terms with feeling unproductive during a pandemic, I discuss min-maxing with my guest, Kat Brewster. My name is Kat Brewster. I am a PhD student at the University of California, Irvine, where, among a multitude of other things, I research internet histories and queer archives. I do a lot of games writing on the side. I like to say that I have professional opinions about video games um, because people pay me for them. <laughs> so that's so I'm, I'm here today to extol some of my video game wisdom with you. Jordan. I'm running to the airport to open up the gates for you. Oh wait, I said that I want to fly. I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> that's incorrect, Orville. I don't want to fly. I'm afraid of flying. When the game began, I like didn't want to look when the villager was getting in the airplane because I was afraid that there was, there was going to be some kind of animation about flying that was going to make me feel uncomfortable. Mm. But apparently there wasn't one, so that's fine. Okay. Invite via Dodo code. Okay, you ready? Sorry, I was uh, getting the mail, and then the game was like... Please end the conversation. Oh, you can't get the mail when someone is arriving at your airport. No, you can't. And that's a well-known fact. Oh, a detail-oriented overachiever. <laughs> that's me. That's yours. You used to be Heavenly Star. What changed? Well, you commented. Uh, <laughs> and then I immediately changed it. Oh, Jordan. I think I am... The Risen Eventuality. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I love that all the houses of the animals are different. Me too. Oh, Jordan, your dress is so cute. Thank you. Somebody gave it to me as a gift today because I let them come to my island to pick pink roses. Oh, that's very sweet. I have a single pink lily. Hold on. I need to change because I want to look presentable to you. Okay. And I want to see this pink lily. You've seen the pink lily. You pointed it out to me. Oh, did I? Yeah. You went, Lily's jealous. And then you said, a pink lily. And then I was like, oh, well, obviously now I have to cultivate all these pink lilies to impress Jordan. One of the things I love about coming to your island is that it's always a completely different time of day than it is on my island. Yes. That is something I don't love when we have normal Skype conversations and it's breakfast for you and supper for me. But I do love it in Animal Crossing. I am currently having my morning coffee. I was wearing um, kind of like garden work clothes yesterday because mm -hmm. I was going to various different islands to strip them of their natural resources so I could bring them back for the development of my own personal island. And um, you, you know, you have to wear appropriate clothes. Hi. Hi. Welcome to Treetop. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. If you don't mind, I would love to check the post very quickly. Okay. Just because if I continue to have that notification, it'll drive me up the walls. I have received two presents in the post. One of them is a street lamp, and one of them is a garden faucet, which I will be <laughs> uh, putting onto the land here when you depart. Your friends know you so well. Mm. I have a gift for you. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I also have a peach tree in my pockets. Oh, do you want to plant it just very quickly? Wherever, wherever you like? Uh, I dug it up on my island and they wouldn't let me put it in my storage, but they would let me put it on an airplane uh, and bring it to your island. Which is actually illegal for California. You are not allowed to um, to bring agriculture uh, into California. We'll pop it down here. It doesn't have any peaches at the moment. That's okay. It will one day. Oh, whoops. Oh, no, I dropped it. I'm sorry. That's not a, that's not a reflection on the quality of the present. <laughs> Thank you so much for the candle. It's a very appropriate hostess gift. Let's go find somewhere to sit. Okay. Oh, I know where we can go. Follow me. Okay. Since this is the first episode of my little Animal Crossing mini-series, I thought it would be good to get you to describe the game for anyone listening who hasn't played it. Sure, yeah. I had this similar experience where I've, um, I've recently made the ill-advised decision to return to Facebook purely for political reasons. And um, I made this post that said, you know, if anyone's feeling down about the specific political situation thing, you know, insert here. I said, don't worry, because <laughs> Animal Crossing is coming out. And the mother of a friend of mine commented, and she said, can you explain what Animal Crossing is? Is that a video game? A movie? I'm confused. I'm a boomer. I don't understand. <laughs> so I was like, oh, how do I describe Animal Crossing to a person who doesn't know if Animal Crossing is either a video game or a movie? So I said, okay, well, in this iteration of Animal Crossing, which is part of a series, you 
get on a little airplane and you fly very far away from your previous life at the behest of a raccoon and his two adopted children. And you fly to a, a deserted island where you and the raccoon and two other people who've chosen to undertake this endeavor transform this island from deserted and uninhabited to a bustling, rustling, hip and hopping community. <laughs> and I think that that is how I would describe Animal Crossing as a, as a pitch doc to somebody. Mm -hmm. um, I also saw someone say on Twitter recently, what is the core mechanic of Animal Crossing? What is it? And someone else was like, well, you buy a home and then you pay off your loan by doing small chores. And I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> okay. What is it? Well, you but you buy a home and then you pay off your loan by doing small chores. But that's listen. There, <laughs> I think I think one of the compelling uh, things about Animal Crossing is that the, is that there is no core mechanic. The core, I mean, is the core mechanic collection like Pokemon style? Yeah, like Pokemon style. I guess you're filling up the museum. That's one aspect. That's one aspect. You fill up a museum with new, unique creatures and fossils. I have a question for you, Jordan. Mm -hmm. You and I have, have played previous Animal Crossings, and in previous Animal Crossings, there was Reed, who would sell you art. And sometimes there were fakes. Yes, like three out of, out of the four items that you could buy from him were fakes. And you had to, well, I mean, I would go on, because I can't deal with that kind of disappointment over and over and over again. And also, I have a master's degree in art history. So I was like, listen, if this were in, if this were real life, then obviously I don't think that I would be so easily duped. Anyway, it doesn't matter. What really matters is, will there be art? Will there be art in New Horizons? I hope so. I mean, perhaps what's actually happened is they've outsourced the art to the players because of the crafting and the customization aspect. I mean, people have already held virtual exhibitions mm. in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Stephanie Unger. Yeah, yuck fun. What I believe to be true about Animal Crossing is that it is what each individual person makes of it within mm -hmm. specific constraints of like... Yes, you are you are on an island which you are lightly encouraged to cultivate. You are lightly encouraged to speak to your neighbors and make friends and buy them little gifts and redecorate your house and expand it and go fishing and catch bugs and plant flowers. And that is it. Well, this is something I wanted to talk to you about, actually, because I saw you tweet... I refuse to make my island amenable to Tom Nook's tourism industry schemes, uh, which implies that you are acting in defiance of some of the things the game wants you to do. Yeah, I... Thank you. Thank you, Jordan, for noticing. <laughs> I don't know if I, if I would say that I was acting totally in defiance of Tom Nook's wishes. Tom Nook is our raccoon landlord who we assume purchased the island. He builds our house, gives us an interest-free loan. But he also seems to want to turn the island into a tourist getaway spot. Mm -hmm. And in order to do so, he wants to invite the hip musician K.K. Slider, who might be the only musician, according to the records that are available in our shop. <laughs> yeah, although 
You always seem to have a villager who longs to become the next pop star. Yes. Seemingly unknowing that there can only be one. Yes. Maybe one day our shops will be full of nothing but their records, but currently it is KK Slider or bust, baby. Listen, I'm all for building a hustle and bustling community and like making a space for people to escape their previous lives and, and build something new. I mean, there are a lot of questionable colonialist pieces of rhetoric in there that mm-hmm. I'm sure lots of people have talked about who are smarter than I am. But I feel like I draw the line at making the entire island into a concert venue for specifically Tom Nook's desires to have K.K. Slider come to our our island. Mm-hmm. And so I am very reluctant to build the campsite that Tom Nook wants me to so that K.K. Slider will come to our town. I don't know what sort of repercussions this will have on on my quote-unquote progress in the quote-unquote game. (laughs) From the sounds of it, it just means Isabel will tell you things about her private life. I mean, that sounds great to me. Um, (laughs) Just continue to to have a blossoming friendship with Isabel, the dog secretary. She's perfect. But I have seen other people, the writer Kevin Snow, according to my partner who went to Kevin's Island, Kevin is actively trying to turn their whole island into a dump. <laughs> Which I think is is really uh, enviable in the commitment to a bit. I mean, to me, it's a bit, I don't know, maybe they really want their whole island to be a dump, but they are like actively sourcing like trash to put around their island for my sins. I would like there to be beauty and order. One thing I wanted to talk to you about is that you and a bunch of our friends have made the conscious decision to not remove all of the weeds from their islands. Yes, that is true. Despite the fact that weeds presumably negatively impact your island rating, as they did in New Leaf. So yeah, what's the reasoning behind that decision? And is that the limit of the mess you will allow on your island? Because it is at least attractive mess. Well, I think not only would I like for there to continue to be weeds, I also am trying not to... I don't shake the local fruit off of my trees every day so that I can then go and flip them because I like having that local color. Even the trees that I have sourced from other islands that I keep in my little garden area. You saw that, Jordan. Mm -hmm. You saw my little garden with the trees. Uh, I don't shake those off every day. It just, it, it feels wrong. So there's the natural order of things that I would not like to intervene. And then there is, um, your own personal standards. Thank you. KB's personal style. And I just think that very specific weeds, I like the clover. I like the tall weeds growing on the far reaches of my island's corners. I think that that is a very sweet sort of ode to rewilding. Now Jack, my partner Jack, has picked up very few of their weeds and they are far more interested in in letting their garden become weed inspired. in exchange for achieving particular goals laid out in the game. You get these miles, which you can then turn into tickets to islands that you will never see again. And they are uninhabited uh, and smaller than your island, but they do have trees and rocks and fruit uh, and occasionally bamboo and things like that. Yeah, I call them gently procedural. 
The point being, undeniably, to completely strip them bare because you know you will never see them again. Right. And obviously, there's been a lot of criticism already about that and the discomfort that it makes people feel because of its parallels with you know, environmental destruction and colonialism Mm -hmm. and things. You know, you said lots of other people have talked about this already. And I wondered if you thought that people who are aware of that criticism and playing this game, do you think that there is anything that players should do with that awareness? Should they change their behavior in the game? Should they educate themselves outside of the game or is just acknowledging it enough? That is a great question. You've presented several items there in that, and I'm going to start with the lightest and then and then head to the heaviest. So I think that not only is weeding in New Horizons different than it was in New Leaf because you... Well, the weeds look different in New Horizons, for one. But also you can earn nook miles for selling weeds you can craft them into other materials or you can keep them around and risk losing potentially like island-wide happy home academy i think island designer something points i don't know i haven't reached that part of the game probably i never will because i may never invite kiki slider to my island ever (laughs) so there are all of these different ways that you're being encouraged to weed your island Which do I value more? Do I value having the benefits that the game encourages me to pursue from weeding my island in its entirety? Or do I value more the kind of gentle, unkempt nature of having a handful of weeds remain on my island? So then the question is like, and then when you go to these gently procedural uninhabited islands that you will never see again, Do you strip them entirely of their resources and then peace out and then never go back? You never, you never go back. The guy who, who flies you there, Wilbur, I think his name is, he says that he burns the flight records. (laughs) So you can never go back there. So that's curious. What, what sort of like lost Bermuda Triangle has Tom Nook taken us to where you can never find these islands ever again. I would love to see the numbers on how many of these islands have been visited so far, even in this first week and a half of play. Yeah, my friend Allie was just on an island that I had just been on because there are like certain like milestone islands where it's like, oh yeah, that's the one where all the rocks have gold inside. Mm. And the layout looks the same. And I was like, oh yeah, I've been there. Here's what you have to solve this very tiny puzzle in order to get to the central island. I'm just curious because they've, you know, you said there that Wilbur says they burn the flight documents or whatever so Mm -hmm. they can never return to this island, which implies that within the law of Animal Crossing New Horizons, there are an uncountable number of these tiny, tiny islands Mm -hmm. in the world Mm -hmm. that it is perfectly fine to strip because there will always be another one. Mm -hmm. And in that context, with that awareness, is it perfectly fine for players to behave in that way and not think about the parallels with environmental destruction and colonialism in the real world. So I'm not a post-colonial or decolonial scholar. I'm not an environmental studies person. I have done a lot of work thinking about the Anthropocene and the Anthropocene being the era in which we find ourselves where the planet has been irreparably changed because of human intervention. 
right? Mm. So because humans are on the planet, the Earth has been changed because of our, not just presence, but our actions. And so there's a lot of writing and a lot of thinking about the Anthropocene. And I think that this is a really interesting way to think about video games. I was thinking recently about this is not Animal Crossing, but it is a Nintendo property, which is the most recent Pokemon game, Sword and Shield, mm. which had, to much controversy, had removed some Pokemon from the Pokedex, right? Mm -hmm. So that you could not find them in the Galar region. And I made this joke that was like, oh, is this Game Freak's commentary on the Anthropocene? Like, oh, the, the Pokemon are, are disappearing. And then I was like, wait a minute. Is this Game Freak's commentary on the Anthropocene? <laughs> Presumably somebody on Twitter then pointed out that several of the Pokemon in the Galar Pokedex are directly yeah. a response to the environmental crisis. You know, there are damaged coral reef Pokemon and things like that. Yeah, and then not only that, but Tajiri, uh, Satoshi Tajiri who invented Pokemon or the concept of Pokemon said in a, I think like a 1999 Time interview that the way that he thought about Pokemon as a child or the way that he thought about Pokemon as an adult remembering what it was like to be a child and like be in awe of all these creatures that were in the tide pools by his house. You know, he would go look at all the bugs. People like gave him nicknames that were like Mr. Bug because he loved bugs so much. And then when the, all the bugs started to disappear because there was all this development near his home, this urban development, he was like, the bugs are changing. Like the bugs are different. Isn't, isn't that really interesting how like the landscape here is almost evolving because of this urban development that's happening near my home and so to think about pokemon or to think about video games in this way as a commentary on climate change or as a commentary on the anthropocene may not be that far off and you know anytime there's any sort of collection rhetoric or collection mechanics in games there's this question of well what are we collecting them for hmm. right so in archive studies, there's been this kind of general turn towards thinking about like, well, why are we archiving things? And like, why are we putting things into these spaces for like some kind of future to look back on? Because anytime you are collecting anything, and that's whether it's a personal collection or a more formalized collection, like a museum or an archive, you're doing that because you're implicitly saying like, there will be a future. Right? Yeah. And someone in the future is going to want to look at this. So if I'm, if I have fished a sturgeon, which I did last night, and they're so big. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And I put them into my museum. Well, yes, I'm first doing it so that, I, so that Blathers will feel good. And I never want him to feel sad or upset. But also I'm doing it so that me in the future can be like, oh yeah, I did, I caught a sturgeon and isn't that exciting? And I, I wanted to mark this point of personal achievement by memorializing it so that in the future I could look back on it. But if in the Anthropocene, we're collecting things for what kind of future? And there's this really beautiful turn to thinking about collection 
not just as something where you can be like, look at all the things I got, future me, but as a move of anticipatory mourning, Mm. which I think is really beautiful. So given that, given that you think about this kind of thing all the time, yeah, I wonder if you think that any of these issues raised by these games mean that players should change their behavior. And I wanted generally, you know, before we wrap up to talk about how you feel about the idea of a right way to play a game. Like I, for instance, when I visit those islands, I never chop down the trees mm. or destroy the rocks, mm-hmm. even though I know... A, I mean, they're not real islands, and B, that I will never return to them, and that C, theoretically in this universe, there are an infinite number of them. Right. And obviously a lot of people are choosing to play this game in their own ways, and it frustrating people that some players are optimizing their game. Sure. And maybe people having issue with the way that people are treating these these islands. I just, yeah, I, I wanted to hear your thoughts on whether there is such a thing as a right way to play this game or any game, really. Sure. Well, so I think this brings me to this conversation that I have inside my head all the time about why do we collect things and for what future are we collecting them? And what are we mourning? What are we in anticipation of mourning for in Animal Crossing? And for me, I think it's the day that you put the game down and then you never pick it back up again. Mm. Because that happens for every game, whether or not it's a game that is gently meant to be infinite, like Animal Crossing is, where you are supposed to play Animal Crossing, you know, a little bit every day. Well, I mean, there comes a day when you're not going to pick it back up again. And that is kind of what happens. And that's okay. And is there a way that you can mourn in anticipation of the time that you put the game down and you don't realize that you're not going to pick it back up again? And maybe that's why you're collecting things. And I think that you can think about this when you're going to these various different islands. I think it's very sweet, Jordan, that you refuse to cut down any of the trees um, from the islands that you visit. But I also think you could do something like, I don't know, you could bring a little gift for the island when you go and then be like, thank you so much, island, for letting me take all the things that are on you. And I have brought you something that I believe to be of equal value. And that's something that you could do. You could, you know, and then when you bring all these like pieces of wood and weeds and flowers back to your first island, (laughs) you know, then you say, okay, everybody, I brought these things back from this island. Everybody say thank you. And then you could all blow your poppers. You know, I, but but I mean, I'm I'm saying this is a way to to help people who might feel in in their brains like they're doing something to these spaces because maybe it'll help you think about ways that we use the planet IRL and whether or not you're giving land acknowledgments to spaces that may not belong to you and whether you're treating the Earth with the respect that you want to be treating it. Um, what is your rate of consumption like IRL? Like, if you thought about this in terms of a game, would you feel uncomfortable? And like, why would you feel uncomfortable? It is uncomfortable to min-max things. Like, it just is. Mm. And I think that goes for real life, too. Like, you can't, like, you just can't 
like, why are you min-maxing? Because you think that there can be infinite growth because you want to master something? I think both of those ideas are inherently flawed. In a game, of course, you can master a skill. Mm. You can achieve something in a finite capacity. So maybe that scratches that itch for you. Which presumably is why I've spent the entire day constantly straying toward Animal Crossing instead of the quote-unquote real work that I should have been doing. Yeah, I mean, probably. (laughs) It makes me think of this great work by the scholar Mark Fisher, who wrote the book Capitalist Realism, Is There No Alternative?, which is a great book, and it's actually far more hopeful than its, its title may lead you to believe, which is all about how the ideas of infinite growth and sustainability are incompatible. So that you turn to a space where you can achieve something to its finite completion is necessarily a comment on you, Jordan, but a commentary <laughs> on capitalism. And so we come full circle. (laughs) (laughs) All that aside, what is it that you love about Animal Crossing New Horizons? Because you clearly love it. Um, I like to, I like to make friends with my villagers who are all very sweet and kind and cute. Even Tammy with an eye, who at first I was very startled by because her eyes are blood red. The monkey? Yes, the monkey. She's very sweet. She just wants the best for everybody. I like that everybody looks after one another and people are like, oh, I saw this thing that reminded me of you. And there's this very digitally tangible sense of connection between all these villagers. And I can plant flowers and they grow the next day. And I can be like, oh, progress from yesterday. Very easily markable progress. And I can also, as you see here on this little island where we find ourselves, Jordan, I have a bell tree that I'm pretty sure has three sacks of bells worth 10,000 bells each. So I also like that I can plant. There's money. Money grows on trees. We, we contain multitudes. <laughs> If you want to see more of the multitudes that Cat contains, you can follow them on Twitter at CatBamKapow. You can find me at Jerrica Weber and keep up with the podcast at Talking SimPod. Or better still, subscribe to Talking Simulator on your favourite podcast app. This was the first of a five-part mini-series all about Animal Crossing New Horizons, released daily over the course of a week. So four more interesting conversations await you. Our music is by Jazz Mickle. You can find her at Jazz Mickle. Talking Simulator is edited by Lemmington's loveliest audio person, Dan Parks. If you need to make something sound good, you can find him at Dan C. Parks. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Talk again soon. Right now on on Treetop. Right now on tree, on tre- I didn't realize how hard it was to say because I only ever see it written. <laughs>